And um, he isn't hiding away in some foreign country, enjoying himself, having a pina colada in one hand and, you know, suntan lotion in the other. He's actually in Spalding. Okay, so, <clears throat> you know, read whatever you want into that. He's been there for the day and he's just uh, over there as part of what he does and part of his national responsibilities. Uh, but he does send his love to you. The other thing I want to say is I just wonder if I could ask for some of you to, to help us, if, if you would be kind enough. Those who uh, consider this to, to be their home church, um, I need probably around, all I need actually is around 20 people who will um, go and speak to five people. That's all I need. And they need to be people who live in around this area, okay? Because what we need, you know we're on a bit of a journey with regards to the building upstairs. And just before I get into that, just to say this is the, the last week, this is a faith statement that we're going to have a bucket there. It's now becoming minute. The roof has all been completed. We're just waiting for the evidence of that and then all the certification for 25-year guarantee. But it's just the last bit of water that's just obviously was under. And then we'll have all that sorted and it'll all look sweeter. Hip hip. Yay. Wonderful. Um, so, but upstairs in these areas, there's, there's rooms and there's, there's a big area that could seat, you know, well over 300 people. And we want to just go on a bit of a journey to see how we can gain grant funding for that and just talk to different people who can help us. But when you just need to um, get some feedback from local people. So up in the bar area, there's just one of these simple A5 um, questionnaire surveys. All there are is five questions. Let me give you a sample of that. Do you live in Mansfield? How long have you lived in Mansfield? Yes, no, how long? It's that basic, but this is the kind of information we need. And what we then need to do is gather those surveys, those questionnaires, and that will help us, believe it or not, with potential funders because we're getting a little bit of a feedback of what people feel. So I just need 20 people who can take five surveys. If you think, well, you've got more than that, talk about with friends, neighbours, colleagues, just a simple, it's not telling them about Jesus, it's nothing like that, it's just talking to them about what we'd like to do with a building, then that would be hugely helpful to us. And uh, up in the bar area, they'll be at the resource, resource uh, 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 bar, and uh, you can find those surveys. Is that okay? Yeah, is that okay? Well, people, help me, just give me a wave if you'll help me with that. Come on, I need a few. Brilliant, thank you, that's, that's great. The other thing just to say as well is that on your seats, there's a brochure that we want you to take away. It's the 21 days of prayer and fasting. We'll keep mentioning this, certainly over the course of December. And there's also a card with that, which is a Count Me In card. And what we basically do, uh, we've been doing this this will be the third year now that we're running. We, we run over 21 days prayer and fasting. I don't want people getting freaked out by that because people think, does that mean I ain't got to have any food for that whole 21? No, it's not saying that at all. All we're asking is to just look in the brochure there's different ways that people can engage in this, but we're just as a whole church together, across both sides. We just want to gather. I'd like to see a couple of hundred people, actually, including kids, who would say, yeah, we're in. Count me in in this. We're not going to then come after Andy Flynn and say, Andy, you said you're in, and what does this mean? We're not there to police it. We're just a sense of, you know, I'm in. I'm committed to this. And just as we, as we close the service, again, there'll be a container. You can just drop that card in, and that would just encourage encourage me. Is that okay? We've got this survey, uh, this uh, series that we are running, which actually is a one-week series. It's called RSVP. And for those who aren't familiar with it, I will get it right. It's not uh, reply, s'il vous plaît. It's responde, s'il vous plaît. And uh, for those any French lovers 
uh, amongst us will recognize these words because very often they're placed on an invitation. There's an invitation that you'll get whether you've been to a party or a wedding. And often on the bottom of it, there's these words, RSVP, which is Responde, see you play. What they're basically asking for is the person who's invited you is looking for a response. Please respond. respond. Please reply. And we want to just, over, the, over tonight, is just encourage you as the church. And this is a message for those, if it's your first time in, you will get something from this message because I want to talk about what is on the heart of God. I've got this thing buzzing around always. If God would say one thing to you tonight, I've spoke about this before, I'm going to talk about that directly to you. But also to those who consider themselves to be Christians, you have faith. This is your home. I definitely have got a word for you too. Because at the heart of God is a heart for lost people. What we did recently, um, a few few weeks ago, we actually did a survey. Some of you completed that survey here. And the question that we asked was, why did you first attend Arena Church? It was interesting. There was a couple of comments that were made around that. And I just want to identify those for a moment without saying who they are, because it was anonymous. Somebody said, I was curious. I was told you'll love my church. There is no other church like it. I love statements like that. Just that gladdens my heart. I'm glad he didn't say, "Yeah, there's no other church like it" because it's useless. That that wasn't the case. You know, it was just a sense of you'll love my church. And somebody was curious. Another person wrote why they first attended Arena Church was because their life was falling apart. It's interesting. I come across people whose lives are falling apart, and they're searching and they're looking. And they said, I I came because I needed to find a reason to keep going. I'm so glad, whoever you are, whether it's from our Ilkeston campus or if you filled that out and that's you tonight, I'm so glad that you made it here. I'm so glad there's some reason and some hope that's filling your life at this particular moment. So we asked them why they first attended Arena Church and that was great. But what we also did is ask them, why did they... um, How did they arrive at Arena Church? And it was interesting that as we added all the figures up, this is going to be fascinating, and I don't know whether it's on the screen, but 69%, over two-thirds, said they started attending Arena as a direct result of being invited and or brought along. I want to say that's amazing. We've got somebody new in tonight. There's a few people in tonight, and I know one of those people has come as a result of somebody inviting them to say, come to my church, and that is just fantastic. And as, we, as I talk with people, many people have that story. They were invited or they were brought along. And I really believe that this is part of what we need to grasp hold of in the life of Arena Church. We need to realize that actually it's not just those who are good at that, their job, it's actually all of our job to bring. There's certain people who are absolutely brilliant at bringing people. Glennis is one of them. Glennis, you are amazing at just inviting people and bringing people. I'm just going to single her out on her own, but she just is very good at connecting with people. And that's because of her sparkling personality, her wonderful charisma, because she's got all that, her sweet spirit and lovely heart. Do I need to stop now, okay? Uh, you can pay me later, all right? That's worth 20 quid, not 10 that you offered me, all right? It's, but, but that might be Glennis's personality, and it is. But actually, even if you're quiet, even, even if you're a little bit more timid, it's all of our responsibility to just connect with people. And that's what we want to teach into this, this evening. 
I absolutely love that we at Arena Church do have a passion for those who are here. But we also care and have a passion for those who aren't yet here or who are new here. So if you're new here, we have a passion for you, okay? If you're coming in and, and, and you, you've been here a hundred times, we have a passion for you. But I also want to run on the back of what Andy says, we have a passion for this town. Those who are not yet here, those who are celebrating the 3-1 win yesterday at Barnet, okay? And there are, I bet there are a few hundred that travelled, because it was a way one who travelled down. We have a passion for those crazy mob who went down, travelled hundreds of miles just to see a football match. We have a passion for those. We have a passion for people in our community, wherever they've come from, whatever their life consists of, whether they're seriously messed up and broken or whether they've got it all together, this church really has a passion for people out there. Yes? And that is the heart of God. And I just want to share something with you with regards to Mark in chapter 16 and verse 15. Because some people say to me, what is God like? What is Jesus like? What was the purpose of him coming? Was it just that he was a baby and it's a nice Christmas story and then we get to celebrate with Christmas trees and crackers and presents? And No, it's way more than that. It's way, way more than that. Because God's heart was to go after lost people. And the same mission that he had, he presents to us. And in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it reads, Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. I want to say we have good news tonight. Five of you believe that. Vicky, she always believes it. She's the first one out there. I'll say it again. We have good news tonight. We have, we, in fact, we don't just have good news. We have great news. In a world that is so full of bad news, so full of negative news, I can say this, but my, our, our youngest, Lilia, when the news comes on, she just does this every time. She just does this. And I thought, that's interesting that she does that. And of course, we're careful what the watch, because even on the news, news at 10, you have to be careful. There's this crime and there's this thing and, you know, hideous things that they're... But I just thought, there she is, a nine-year-old, and that's condition because that's all she knows or all she thinks it's going to be and let's be honest with you you know 90% of the news headlines that come on they're bad news there's very there's very few good news stories and yet here we are as Christian people if you're a Christian here tonight and we have the greatest news that has ever hit the world and oftentimes we keep it to ourselves and Jesus is stirring something in all of our hearts and he's saying look I want you to take this good news Everywhere to everyone. Everybody say everywhere Everywhere. to everyone. everyone. We want to take this good news everywhere to everyone. And that is the heart of Arena Church. Because God's heart is for lost people. I want to just draw your attention. We'll just for a few moments just centre ourselves around the Gospel of Luke in chapter 15. If you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to it. If not, it'll be on the screen. But basically, Jesus begins to tell a story. And the reason why he tells this story is because religious leaders are coming to him and asking him and questioning him. In fact, they're getting quite irritated by the fact that he keeps uh, mixing with people who are a bit broken. And, And they can't understand him because surely this rabbi 
this religious person should only connect with those who are good. But what they quickly realised is that Jesus didn't come to be, get involved with the healthy, he came for the sick. And if you're sick tonight, I'm not talking about in body, but if you just know you're broken, you're in good company. Because this is where, exactly where Jesus would be. And Jesus tells the story of lostness in Luke chapter 15. He talks about the lost coin. He talks about the lost son. And he talks about the lost sheep. And that's what I want to talk about for a moment and read from. Because he tells the story and he says this. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. So you may say to yourself, well, okay, you've got, there's a shepherd out in a, in a field and he's got a hundred sheep and so he starts counting them. One, two, three, four, five, 89, 90, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. Where's Freddie? Where's, where's Freddie the sheep gone? Where's Freddie the sheep? Oh no, Freddie the sheep's missing. And that's what happened. He loses one. And then he goes on to say, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. You know, this story, Jesus could have easily said, well, the shepherd, he's still got 99 sheep. Surely we're better off just staying in the confines of 99. These 99 sheep, they're all safe. They're all secure. They're around the fire. We'll keep the wild animals at bay because the 99 are all right. We're all right. We're safe. We'll keep it comfortable. But no, Jesus says this shepherd looks at the 99 and says, we are missing one. Therefore, I'll make sure the 99 are okay, but I'm going to go after the lost sheep who is missing. Let me give you a story because some of you may not be aware of this, but we have the joy of having four kids. It'd be rather ugly of us if we said, well, we've got four kids and me and Caroline are out for the day. And then we, we lose Eleanor. How could you lose Eleanor? But anyway, we, lo- we lost. We- where is she? I don't know where she is anyway. But we lost Eleanor. We've lost her. We've lost her. And we lose Eleanor with that big hairdo and that wonderful smile that she's got. And we just lost Eleanor. And me and Caroline looked at each other and said, Annie, Lilia, Isaac, we've still got 75%. Come on, let's go. That'd be awful, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be awful? And yet, listen to me. That's exactly what a lot of churches do. We are so grateful that you've come tonight. We're so grateful if this is your home. So, so grateful. I'm glad that this is your home. We want to love you and care for you. But I get slightly, slightly concerned when I have conversations, of course, not with you guys, because you guys are wonderful. It's always over at Ilkeston. But (laughs) when people are wanting to put lids of limitation on us because what they're really wanting us to do is stroke them and look after the 99. When our heart is to go after the one, to go after the lostness, to go after the brokenness, to go after those who have no hope, to go after that little Freddie sheep who's wandering around, doesn't know where he's going, doesn't know what he's doing. I want to tell you, Jesus looks over Mansfield and his heart breaks. He loves what's happening tonight. He loves that we've taken this building. 
He loves that we're redeeming this building. He loves that we're in this town. And he understands the progress that we're making and he understands our heart. And he knows that we want more and he wants more. And he loves the fact that we're here and we're worshipping God together. He loves the fact that Nathan's really had a good go at leading us this, this, this evening. And Kev's led us so well. He loves the fact that the kids are in the, in the, in the area practicing ready for the 13th. Because we're going to have a great Christmas presentation from the kids. Do you believe that? Give me a wave if you believe that. We really are. It's going to be great with the kids. He loves the fact that there are people here and they're part of serving teams and all that kind of stuff. But I want to tell you. God is distracted tonight. God is distracted. You may say, what is he distracted by? He's distracted by lostness. He's distracted by people. So his eye is on you, is on us. But I want to tell you, he's looking over somewhere else as well. Because he can see lots of people are in their homes at this particular moment. And they're bruised and they're broken and they're hopeless and they're aimless. That is what he sees tonight. We just see here. He looks across the town and sees lots of lots of broken, twisted, hurting people. And his heart breaks. And that is why Jesus told this story. Because so often churches can just focus on the 99 and leave the one. I just want to tell you again, we are not that kind of church. We want to love you and care for you. But we will not be pandering to you or stroking you. I just need to say it as it is. We want to do the right thing. But we also want to go after lost people. So if people accuse me, you're more interested in those out there than them. That's not true if you really got to know me. But I want to tell you, I'll always have my eye out there. I was, came across in worship again, just washed by the amazing truth that Jesus came and found me. That Jesus rescued my life. He turns my chaos back into order. Those who were orphans, you become sons and daughters of his. What a great thing that we've, we've sung and testified to tonight about but there's also something that really grabbed me tonight is that those outside of Jesus are going to a lossless eternity there's much preaching that goes out does hell really exist this loving God surely wouldn't send people to hell he doesn't send them to hell he gives everybody a choice an invitation to come and receive him he wants to be their savior he wants to be their father he wants to be the one who can help them but there are people tonight around this area who've never heard this message. They've never heard the message, the true message. They've had a religious experience. They've seen church as they think it was and they're turned off by it. But they've never heard this kind of stuff. They've never sung songs that we've sung tonight. And that is what God is wanting to stir in each and every one of us. And why this RSVP is so, so important tonight. For us to really grasp hold in the tiredness of the night. We've all had busy days. We've all had busy days. We all want to get home and have some supper and get on. But it's so important that we all listen tonight. Because this is life or death. That's what it came to me as we're just in worship. It's life or death, Christian. Some of your work colleagues have never truly heard the gospel. And you are the one who has contact with them. And if you invited them, they'll come. And then we've got to leave the rest to Jesus for him to speak on that particular night. Because God's heart is for lost people so how do we go about it what do we do with this invitation well I want to just read something from Colossians in chapter 4 because it gives us a little bit of wisdom and encouragement he reads there from verse 5 he says be wise in the way you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity 
Let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. I'm not talking about berating people. I'm not talking about getting your your Bible bashing and smacking them around the head. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about being wise in the way that we act towards those who are not yet in faith. That's what it's saying. And make the most of every opportunity. I have a confession to make if that's okay. I've missed many, many scores of opportunities over the years. Particularly the early part, early doors. Because I was too timid. Because I didn't take a step. I, I could have been a lot bolder and I didn't. I thought they were going to ridicule me and laugh at me. And I was more concerned about what they thought than what Jesus asked me to do. And yet tonight I want to encourage us to just take the opportunity and to be wise in how we approach outsiders, make the most of every opportunity, and ensure that our conversation is full of grace and seasoned with salt. What it's basically saying is that we're not boring, that our, that our conversation has full of spice, it has full of texture, it has something in it. Anybody love spicy food here tonight? Oh, oh yeah. Some of you don't like spicy food. Oh, we'll have to get Andy Flynn down the curry house and give him a good old curry. Okay, we'll show him how it works. Some of us really love spicy food. And that's what he's basically saying is, let your conversation be full of spice, full of seasoning, full of colour. You'll leave people wanting more. You'll leave people with a t- not a bad taste in their mouth, a taste in their mouth. And you'll know how to answer everyone. Now, how do we do this? Well, it says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 that we always need to be prepared. You see, the key here in RSVP and how do we connect with people and how do we invite people is preparation. We need to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who, ha- who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. I, and- I asked this to myself, but when was the last time I had a real conversation with someone about the hope that I have. When was the last conversation I had with my neighbours who were really trying to reach and, and just trying to witness to and, and just share with and the people at the basketball club that we're just getting connected with? When was the last time? Because they're my connection points. When was the last time? Can I ask you the same question? Yes, you can. Yeah. Wonderful. That's, that's great. So when was the last time that all of us took the opportunity to actually speak to people about Jesus? I think it's important that we do three things. And those three things are the Jesus way. It's not our way. It's not found in a book. It's found in the way that Jesus did it. The first thing that he did is he connected with people. I think it's so important that we connect with people. Let me continue to read from Luke 15 and verse one through to three, we've already read it about the lost sheep because this is what it says from the first three verses. It says, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he, sorry, doesn't he uh, leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. It also says in verse 1, and I don't know whether we've got it, by this time a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus and they were listening intently. The Pharisees were not pleased at all and they growled, 
He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. And their grumbling triggered this story that I've just read a moment ago. You see, Jesus was constantly connecting with those who were far away from God. They used the word sinners. We're not ashamed to use that word. He connected with sinners and he ate meals with them and he hung around with them and he treated them like old friends. It also talks about in Matthew chapter 11 verse 19 because they were saying things to Jesus and this is what Jesus said of himself. He says, but the son of man goes around eating and drinking and you say that man, that man eats and drinks too much. He is even a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You see, they said this about Jesus because he was forever connecting with those who were far away. We can think of people tonight who we could consider to be on a par with a tax collector. It's interesting when I was talking about this at Ilkeston, I said, who would be comparable to a tax collector? And please excuse me, I don't want to bring any offence here. If you're one of these or, or you're a um, family member, but somebody shouted out, a new guest in actually, similar to what we've got here tonight, somebody, somebody shouted out and said, I'd say a, um, a traffic warden. And I thought that was highly amusing. They were putting a tax collector on a par with with a traffic warden. I spoke to the gentleman after me. He says, they've been the bane of my life, these tax, you know, these, these, these traffic wardens. I wouldn't probably go as that far, but the reality is there are some people in our world who we would use the word shady. They live shady lives. They get their income through shady ways, through shady means. There's people that... Paul would have had through the police force, its connections in the police force, who you would have looked at them and thought, they are shady, they're difficult to handle, there's something around their life that's not good. And yet the interesting thing is, Jesus didn't condone what they did, but Jesus connected with them. You see, very often we want to correct people, but first of all, we have to connect with people. You can't correct without first connecting. And it's so, so important that we understand the need To connect with people who were far away from God. Listen, Jesus never compromised his message. He was different. He was real. He was contemporary. He was modern. But he was also full of grace and full of truth. There are many hot potato subjects around at the moment. And I just fear for the church at large that we're fudging it. We're not really giving a clear answer. And Jesus never fudged it. Jesus was very, very clear with everyone. The woman who was caught in adultery because that was sinful in the day of Jesus. And it was even brought the punishment of stoning. And they dragged this woman out, for those who know the story. They brought her out into the marketplace. And all the religious people, because they're normally the ones who you have a problem with. And by the way, we're not religious. We've got a relationship with Jesus, which is completely different. These religious people were just wanting to stone this woman. And Jesus... He records that he knelt down and wrote something in in the sand. And then he said, he without sin cast the first stone. The Bible records that one by one, they all began to leave this situation. Jesus then reaches to the woman and says, where are your accusers? (laughs) They've all gone. So he lifts her up. Listen to me, he restores her. But then he says to her, go and sin. No more. 
For me, that is one of the clearest messages of God and of Jesus connecting with people in our sinful state. But then on the other side, not compromising the message because he said, go and sin no more. Listen, if we're living a life of sin and you're here tonight and you're living a life of sin, Jesus receives you as you are. But as we've met with Jesus and we have an encounter with Jesus, then we cannot keep doing the things that we used to do. There needs to be some change. There needs to be some difference. That's only through the power of Jesus that there needs to be change that comes to our lives. But Jesus connected with those who were far away from God. Jesus was comfortable around sinners. He really was. And that's why we do the things that we do through, through Arena, if I can say. I'm so glad that we have you know, the different outreaches and the different ministries that run through Arena Church and why we're going to continue in this coming year, believing God to give us more avenues into other areas because we want to connect, continue to connect with those who are far away from Jesus. The second thing we can do is not just connect with people, but we've got to understand the power of our story. Share our story with other people. Philippians 2 verse 15 reads this, Go out into the world uncorrupted, like a breath of fresh air, into this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and the living God. So important that we go out into this world, we'll be like a breath of fresh air into this very, very difficult, turbulent society. And we provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. It's really important how we live our lives. I said this morning that everybody's watching us. Everybody's watching us. Everybody's watching. Your eyes are fixed on me. And then beyond this, you're actually thinking and looking to see how I live my life. You see, what we want to do is we so live our life in such a way, not perfect, but in a way that we're seeking to please God, that actually people look on and say, I want what he has. I want the way that Paul lives his life. I want the way, I want to live how Glenys is living. I want to live the way that Elaine's living. Because we give them such a great representation of the living God. And this is part of our story. I love what one man said. He says, your life as a believer should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. What a powerful statement. That our life as a believer should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. We're called to be witnesses. We're called to be people who share our story. So how do we do that? Well, we've got to begin to perfect a story. I'm specifically now talking to those who are in faith in Jesus. But very often in a business context, you'll have something called the elevator pitch. The elevator pitch consists of those people who uh, you're, in a, you're in an elevator, you might get two minutes, and you've got to be able to pitch your idea within that scale of time. I think it'd be a great thing for us as Christian people to really, you know, take that on board and think, how can I share my story in two minutes? Dave, if I only get two minutes with a client, because Dave sells houses, if you want to sell houses, if you want to sell your house, you need to come and talk to this man, okay? He's a good estate agent. None of those dodgy ones, he's a good, that's true, isn't it? He's an honourable estate agent. But if Dave had an opportunity and somebody said, Dave, you're different. In two minutes, how could Dave tell his story? How could he share his story in two minutes? See, my story was this. I wasn't a bad boy. I wasn't somebody who was, who was you know, forever 
um, doing really, really evil and bad things. But what I did do was I recognized at the age of 11 that I needed Jesus in my life. And how did I know that? Well, because I'd been brought up in a, in a Christian home and, you know, my mum and dad raised me well. And I'm very grateful for that. But in my mind, I thought going to church and, you know, singing songs and even serving and doing those kinds of things would actually get me to God. But there was one man who stood there and told me that I needed Jesus in my life. And even at the age of 11, I knew that I was a sinner. Even at the age of 11, I knew that I needed a saviour and I knew that it was Jesus. And at the age of 11, I decided to give my life to Jesus Christ. That's my story. For some of you, you've got a little bit more depth to your story. I'm not looking at any particular people. There's been more around, more brokenness around your story. But the reality is we have to develop our story and try to do that in a way that's palatable, in a way that's succinct, in a way that's creative and relevant to people. We need to share our story. And thirdly, I think it's important that if we're going to go on this journey of inviting people, not only do we connect with people and share our story, but we invite them to a place where they can experience God. One moment in Jesus' presence, if if hearts are open, will change everything. There's something that happens when people come into the presence of God. The Bible says for some people it's the smell of life, the fragrance of life. For other people it's the fragrance of death. And what I love about church is there's an encounter that happens and people know it. I've seen people walk into church and have completely disregarded everything that's been said but they know that something's happened in that place. But I've also seen people walk into church And I've realized that it's this Jesus that they've been looking for all the years. And they have an encounter with him. You see, we can do all that we do, all the nice stuff over Christmas and over the year. And I'd like the fact that we're relevant in China, how we present this Jesus. But this is the important one, church. This is the thing that we need to understand. That as we bring people into the presence of God, people have the opportunity to be changed. I want to take you to a story as I close with this. It says in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 20, I wonder if we could just get the Bible verses on the screen. Because there was a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. There was issues around her, her life. And she just thought to herself, if I can just get to this Jesus, you've got to read behind the round of verses, if I can just get to Jesus... If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. The Bible records that she spent everything that she had on trying to get well, but nothing could cure her. But there was an issue, guys. And the issue was this. Unlike tonight, there was huge crowds of people. And they were all gathering around to hear Jesus and to see Jesus and to watch Jesus. And there was just, how am I going to get to him? I honestly believe why she touched the hem of his garment is she was crawling. And some, that's what some commentators believe. She was literally crawling to Jesus. Not probably just because of the pain, but that was the easiest way to get to him. And as she reached out, the Bible records, and she touched the hem of his garment, she had an encounter with Jesus. Just one encounter, that's all it needs. 
Some of you have had that. I love Andy's story of Andy going to a baptismal. And if I can say this, there was all sorts of stuff happening around Andy's world. And he would, by his own confession, say that I've, he's not always been the best lad in the world. And he's looking at me a little bit. Yeah, okay. And, um, but he went to his daughter's baptismal service over a church in Leicester. Raised a Catholic. Thought that that's what it was all about. But in that service, something happened. And no, it wasn't, you can't, I mean, this, this is not a guy who'll just easily melt through emotion. But he, I remember him saying to me, I was emotional, something happened. And I knew something had happened. What had happened? He'd had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus had met him in that church in Leicester. And Andy, your life has never been the same again. It's not always been easy this past year, but your life has been changed forever. We want to just encourage us over this Christmas season to believe that as we connect with people, as we invite people, as we share our story with people and we bring them to this environment, they will have an encounter with a living God like this woman. And as they reach out to God, something happens and people are healed in Jesus' name. I'm looking at Leslie tonight. We know it's not been easy, Leslie. Similar sort of thing, just lots of struggles. But this is another lady. And Gail has been so instrumental and others in just helping Leslie. But you've had an encounter of Jesus, a revelation of who Jesus is. And your life has never been the same. I've said to you, you're visibly changed. You're visibly changing, which is wonderful to see. I could cite many people. And that's why when people say, what's happening in that arena church? It's not really real. It's a load of rubbish and God's not real and all the rest of it. I can say, okay, you can say what you want, but you can't take away from people's experiences. People have had an experience of the living God. You can say whatever you want. You can argue with me some cow comes out. I'm not going to argue with you. What I will know is that I was once lost. I was, was blind. But now I see. I was once in pain. And now I've been healed. I was once full of guilt. And now I've been forgiven. That's the story. And as we bring people into the presence of God, they will have an encounter with Jesus. So what's the response to bring to each and every one of us? Well, I think the first thing we can do is we can get hold of these cards, as Nathan has said, and think, who can I bring on Sunday? We've got a Christmas unplugged. It's a bit different. And please don't stay away because you say, I don't like the bar area. It's only a move, a change of venue. And we do that because we're just trying to create an environment for people to just be able to come in. Those who really are, you know, a little bit out there. And, uh, you know, probably wouldn't come. I, don't, I hope you don't mind me doing this, Claire, but I know you brought somebody in. It was just a whole connection. It was a great, perfect environment for them to come in. We're not going to sing worship songs and do all we do. It's just, it's just different. Why don't we use it as an opportunity to think, that person, I don't, know, I don't know whether they cope with a full service, but they cope with an unplugged. Well, why don't we use it as an opportunity? You may say, no, somebody's a bit more on the journey, so I'm going to invite them to come to the kids' presentation because they love kids. We'll bring them along. Or I'm going to bring them because it's right up until Christmas. The carols by candlelight and we'll have the nice things on the tables and there's chocolates. Yay. You're like, and then we're going to fasting. <laughs> but I'm going to use these services as an opportunity to invite. Nathan, you're right. What's the worst that can happen? If we do it in the right way, they'll say, thank you ever so much, but I'm sorry. And they'll be polite. I'm sorry, I can't make it. Okay, 
That's fine. We've done it for numbers of years. I want to be careful for the podcast, but there's somebody we've invited over numbers of years. And of course, if nobody comes, it's not me thinking, oh, that Glenish, you never, they've not, they've not done as I've told. They've not done it. Those Chandlers, they've just not done it. All I'm asking, I'm not going to police it. All I'm asking is to do with a good conscience is we say, we've got these invitations and we're going to invite people. It's as simple as that. And some people will come and some people will say no. But for those who will come, can we believe that Jesus will begin to do, just begin to do, just a work in their lives? Because we want to take this good news to everyone, everywhere, and believe that in Mansfield we're going to see something that is beneath us become very rich again. Place value on people's lives because lost people matter to God. I wonder if the guys would come and help me. Thank you ever so much for listening so well. Don't forget these surveys if you could help us with that. Don't forget the Christmas.